Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. All right, open your Bible to Mark chapter 1. The gospel according to Mark chapter number one. I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes about kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. Kingdom is one of the most powerful topics that we have to have an understanding on. Because Jesus did not just come to earth so that you can go to heaven. On the exact contrary, he came to bring heaven to earth. Matter of fact, when Jesus was asked, how do we pray? He said, pray this way. Pray that his will would be done here like it is in heaven. As a matter of fact, if you uh, die and cross over before, if you die and cross over before the Lord Jesus comes back, you'll go to heaven and then there's actually going to be a new earth and you're coming back to earth. Like that's his whole plan. So the plan is for man... And when I say man, I want you to hear male and female because both male and female were created in Genesis chapter number one. They were formed in Genesis chapter number two, but they were created in Genesis chapter number one. So his whole plan was for man to have dominion and authority here. So one of the reasons that the earth is so jacked up is because humanity doesn't oftentimes take up its rightful place. As a, as a person of authority. One of the things that really confounded the Pharisees, and the Pharisees in our Bible were the religious zealots. They were the ones that made it very difficult for people to get to God. They were hung up on methods and uh, ritualistic worship instead of uh, making God somebody who people could run to. It, as they described him, they kind of did the opposite. And what totally shocked the Pharisees and the scribes was not that Jesus knew the, the, the Torah, not that Jesus knew the Bible of that day, but what really shocked them is that he spoke with one that had authority. The reason he spoke with one like one that had authority is because uh, he is not just the son of God. He's also the son of man. Because man is what has dominion and authority here. That's why God had to send his son Jesus through the womb of a woman so that he would enter through the doorway that made him a lawful man that gave him authority and dominion on planet earth. The Bible also says that Jesus was tempted every way that you'd ever be tempted. So you don't serve a God who doesn't know how you feel. You don't serve a God who hasn't cried when his friend died. You do not serve a God that, that doesn't understand what it's like to be ridiculed and outcast and set aside and to be, listen to this, even to be lied about. You know, especially like we feel super righteous when people lie about us, you know, because then we're like, oh, well, y'all just don't know how I feel because they're lying about me. Everybody gets lied about at some point in their life. Everybody, including Jesus, who never did anything wrong. All he did was save people and heal people, raise people from the dead. And he walked around doing good and they lied about him. So you and me who haven't done good all the time 
It shouldn't be a shock to us that we get lied about. On the contrary, the Bible says it like this. We ought to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. When, when we're ridiculed. Because the Bible says they're going to, in this world, the Lord says you can have a hundredfold anything that you give up for the cause of Christ. But it comes with persecution. You want to not be persecuted? I'll tell you how to not be persecuted. Don't do anything. Don't stand for anything. Don't say anything. Don't stand up for good. Don't stand up for righteousness. Just go along and get along. Don't ever take a stand. Don't ever decide that the word is correct. Don't ever talk about it. And if you really don't want to be persecuted, don't ever talk about how much God wants to bless you. Because when you start talking about how much God wants to bless you, everybody and their donkey will persecute you. When you start talking about how God wants to heal you and it is his will to heal you, everybody in their, even Christians, even Christians will persecute you and they will reference things that are facts. They will reference things. Well, I knew this person that had this disease and they died. Sure. They died. Let me tell you something. Heaven is not a penalty. Well, explain that. I'm not even going to try to explain that. Why not? Because the secret things belong to God. Well, then, well, then what's my job? The Bible says your job is to believe. The Bible says that Jesus, he fed, he fed thousands of people and, and some people were following him around. And Jesus said to him, he said, he said, you guys are just following me because I fed you. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't eat of my body and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. And they're like, what? Could you imagine being told, eat my body and drink my blood? And, and we're just supposed to accept that. Even the disciples are like, what are you even talking about? And Jesus said, I'll make it plain to you. Finally, the people said this. They said, what do we have to do to do the works of God? What do we have to do to do the will of God? And Jesus said this, believe. See, the most powerful thing you have is your ability to believe God's word. Because when you begin to believe God's word, now all of a sudden, certainly there are facts. Certainly bad things happen to good people. Certainly good things happen to bad people. But we don't change what we believe by what we see. Let me word it differently. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. That means we're believing more in what we don't see than what we actually see. Now, this is contrary to the world. This is a kingdom thought. This is a kingdom mentality. And you got to get comfortable with it. Just bump your neighbor and say, get comfortable. Now, that doesn't mean fall asleep, okay? I'm not going to preach for two or three hours, but I don't want you to fall asleep. But you've got to get comfortable understanding everybody's not going to understand the way you live. There are people sitting in this church right now that years ago were criticizing me. And now they have given their life over to the gospel of the kingdom. And they're just saying, oh my God, I wish I'd have come on sooner. And I'm like, I wish you would have too. Don't get nervous. It's not you. But my point is, is simply this. You've got to get to the place where you understand everybody's not going to get with it. If, if everybody was going to get with it, he wouldn't have said things like this. Two will be grinding at the mill and one will be taken and the other will be left. Two will be asleep in the bed and one will be taken and one will be left. Which one is it? 
This is the concept of the kingdom that you have to, you have to digest it. You have to decide, I understand this is not going to make sense to everybody. And it's very difficult. It's very difficult to make it make sense or help it make sense in the short, the short conversations you have with most of the people you know. Because generally speaking, the conversations you're going to have with the people you know are going to be shallow and they're going to be short. That's not necessarily a negative thing, but this takes time and even years to begin to understand the depths of the revelation. That does not mean that you don't walk in the revelation you know. It's just you understand he's taking you from glory to glory. You should know more today than you knew last year. You, you should be, that's one of the, I thank God for the churches that I come from. Because when, when I grew up, man, I was taught the word of God and my house, our house, it was congruent with that. I didn't go to church and they say one thing and then come home and we act a different way. My parents didn't do that. If your parents did, I'm sorry, but that's not how you should raise your kids. There should be congruence with the word of God and the house of God and how your family functions and believes. The churches that, that, that I grew up in, when I say churches, I mean, when I lived in this town, I went to this church. When I moved to this town, I went to this church. When I moved to this town, I went to this church. They, they were Bible churches. They taught the word of God. And I, I may have been, I remember Crystal and I, when we first got married, we were, we moved down in the Houston area. We went to the, to a church and, and the, the average age was probably 60, 65 years old. And then here's these two 22 year old just married kids. And I remember going in and when I say there was no young people, I mean, we were the young people and they were like proud of us. You know what I'm talking about? We had more moms and surrogate moms and dads and surrogate grandmas and grandpas you shake a stick at. And I remember one time we were walking in and, and we were just talking. We said, man, it'd be nice if there was some young people here. And I thought, that's true. It would be nice if there was some young people here. And we did our best to invite people. But out of the, as soon as I finished saying that, I said, but we're going to be in the house of God, whether it's just us, if it's a bunch of old people, young people, I don't care. We're going to be in the house of God because when the word of God is taught, I want to know what the word of God says so I can apply the word of God. We went to that church and, and we were there for, I don't know, a couple of years before we moved out of that area. And, and I remember after the first year, uh, the pastor, he, he called me, he said, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah. He said, how old are you? I said, 22. He said, how long, how long you been out of college? I said, I don't know, six, six, eight months, something like that. He said, did you know you're already top 10% giver in the church? I said, no, but I'm shooting for number one. He said, he said, he said this to me. He said, you're probably the richest man I've ever met. I said, well, tell my bank account. He said, I'm telling you. He said, he said, I can see things and this is the way it is. And for Crystal and me, we sat there and just digesting the word. Just give us the word of God. Just tell me the Bible. They said, they said, would you be a prayer partner? I said, yeah, I'll be a prayer partner. So we were prayer partners. The only problem was I was answering half the altar calls. So I was a prayer partner that I, I, I would be, I would be, I would be praying, answering the altar call. And then I'd stand up and pray for people. Why? Because I want the word of God. I didn't want pride to be a stumbling block that would stop me. I didn't want, I didn't want the Lord thinking, I think I have it all figured out. I've never prayed, God, give me 10,000 people to preach to. You know what I have prayed? God, when there's 10,000 people, make sure I have something good to say. 
Because I know what the future holds in certain areas. And I'm not interested in crowds for crowds sake. I'm interested in the gospel of this kingdom getting out so that your life can change. What motivates me is your life changing. What motivates me is your family serving God with vigor. What motivates me is when somebody says, here's the report. And before I can try to encourage them, they say, but we don't believe that pastor. We're believing this in the name of Jesus. That's what motivates me. So when you get in the kingdom, you have to just go ahead and get, this is not in my notes. I don't know who's been praying. Some of y'all been praying, but you got to go ahead and get comfortable with the concept that everybody's not going to understand you. Now, when they want to, like Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night said, bro, you got to explain this to me. I don't understand anything that you're saying. And Jesus said, how about this nugget? You can't go to heaven unless you're born again. This had never been said before. Never. Nowadays, we understand born again as being saved, giving your life to Jesus, the new birth. Old things pass away, all things become new. Those are all revelations that are in context with the rest of the Bible. Then Nicodemus has never heard this. And he says, do I have to go back in my mom's stomach? What are you even talking about? And Jesus said this, if you're not born again, you can't understand the kingdom. You're not born again. You can't see the kingdom. Do you remember when Saul, that's the guy who wrote half of the New Testament. We know him as Paul, but before that, his name was Saul. The Bible says that he murdered Christians. He stood by while some of our Christian brothers and sisters were martyred. He would throw them in jail. He would ridicule them. And one of the things that happened when he had an encounter with Jesus is he could no longer see the world. And the Bible says that a man came and laid hands on him and scales fell off his eyes. See, what what happens is when you're talking to people that you know and even those that you love, you have to understand spiritually the scales have to come off. And you can't do that. You can lead them in that direction, but it's a very significant challenge in a five-minute conversation over a Subway sandwich at the lunch hour. So you just leave a seat. But you can't get frustrated at somebody that doesn't believe exactly how you believe based off of a five-minute conversation. Because you're not sitting here based off a five-minute conversation. I've already been speaking for more than five minutes. So what happens is you got to get comfortable understanding in the kingdom you're going to be misunderstood. My kids, some of the things we do when we're out of town, especially in airports, is we'll pick an accent. And we speak in that accent the whole day. Helps pass the time at the airport. I have kids that have that are good at accents, and I have kids that are terrible at accents. And their father's pretty bad at them too, just so you know. But we'll walk in and say, "Okay, we're Australian today," and so we'll walk through, and you know, we'll go to the Starbucks, and they're like, "Good day, mate." Of course, Walker Lee, he's like, "Didgeridoo, put another shrimp on the bobbin." It's a trip. How many have ever heard somebody speak with a different accent? Sounded weird, didn't it? It's only weird because it's different than you. They come from a different place. Let's say a different kingdom. The way you speak about the kingdom of God sounds like an unusual thing to somebody who can't see it. 
But the minute they get born again and the scales fall off, they'll find themselves at New Heights Church at the early service. Come on. Pulling on the preacher, talking about, give me some more of that Bible. Oh my God, feed me some of that Bible. I'll say this, and I say this in all honesty, and I don't say this to talk about me. I just say this because I know my stories. I love the Bible. If, if the Bible is not something you're in love with, you don't know. I hate to even call it it, but you don't know it well enough. Because the Bible is what unlocks you. It's where you find out your real potential. It's where you find out who you are. It's where you find out what you're capable of. It's where you find out what you can stand on. The Bible is like a contract. I don't know about you, but I've done enough contracts to be bitten by contracts and to benefit from contracts. Because after it's all said and done, it doesn't matter how much you like the other person or the other company. Once that contract is signed, that's what you're going to live by. And if you don't know what's in it, if you don't know what's written in that contract, you might be missing out on some benefits. The Bible is your contract that you can wave in the devil's face whenever he says something to you. The Bible is the written contract signed in blood that has set you free and established who you are. But the devil is a liar and he is the father of lies. So what happens is he will lie to you and tell you parts of the contract are void. He'll lie to you and say parts of the contract don't apply. He'll even lie to you and say that part's not true. But the reality is, is the word of God never changes, number one, and never returns void. So whenever you're going through uh, the valley of the shadow of death, you can wave the contract and say, listen here, I may be going through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm not afraid because he's with me even in the valley of the shadow of death. You're walking with a contract. You got to change how you think. And in changing how you think, you decide everybody. God is not going to get me and I'm okay with that. You bring people to your house, it's your, it's your house. It's time to pray over the food. You pray over the food. How do you want to pray over the food? You keep taking your kids to, to places where there's nothing but a pit of sin going on. Don't be shocked that they think sin is normal. Are you saying you don't sin? I'm saying Crystal doesn't sin. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but what happens is, is, is you begin to just, just get it. I'm not, I'm going to look up. I'll say this. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody that's online. Here's the deal. <laughs> Every one of us is a little bit hardheaded and we got to get it through our thick skull. Come on, somebody. Everybody's not going to get it. It took you a while to get to this point. You didn't believe half the stuff you believe now. Somebody lay hands on, on somebody and they fall on the floor. You didn't believe that 10 years ago. You said they're faking it until you fell on the floor. Oh, you didn't believe in speaking in tongues till the Holy Spirit got a hold of you. You couldn't speak English anymore. You didn't believe it. You didn't believe in lifting your hands until all of a sudden the Shekinah glory of God filled the room and the only thing that seemed reasonable was to throw your holy hands up and say glory to God. You didn't believe any of that stuff. 
So we got to understand everybody's not just going to be with it immediately. I'm going to tell you what they need. Okay. I'm going to give you three different examples. Super quick. I'll tell you what they need. They need an encounter with God. I told a little bit of my story, but I grew up in church. I grew up, uh, uh, knowing Jesus. I've never, matter of fact, I've never, I can't, I don't have a memory of not knowing Jesus. I don't have a memory of not hearing his voice. I don't have a memory of that. And the reason I don't have a memory of that is because that's the home I was brought up in. He was not a side item. I would walk in the house and my mom would be playing the piano. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Those hymns reverberate in my soul. I would walk in and my dad would be sitting there playing, playing the guitar. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are filled with your glory all the time. We'd be, we'd be cooking dinner. Come on, somebody. Nice home-cooked meal. Come on. Hamburger helper. Come on. Hey, we cook it at home. When you had three hungry boys, it was not a one-box night. You know what I'm talking about? It was always multi-boxes. I grew up in church. I grew up believing God. I grew up... I grew up that's not to say that I didn't have some wild moments. It's just to say that I grew up believing God. But here was the scenario... Even in that environment, I still had to choose to give him my life. I still had to be born again. I still had to give him my all. I remember several times either committing my life or recommitting my life to him. Where he would make himself known to me. Because it's one thing to believe a concept of Jesus. It's a whole other thing to meet him. Because when you meet him, that, that's why churches like New Heights are so important. I don't have the mental fortitude to serve him on an idea. And I don't believe many people do, if anybody does. I need him. I need him. I, I need him. I don't, I don't just want him. I need him. I'm aware of how much I need him. I'm aware that I need him to help me make decisions. I'm aware that I need him to help me uh, lead the church. I'm aware that I need him to help me lead my family. I'm aware that I need him to help me lead in business. I'm aware that I need him. I'm aware that I am absolutely void of everything without him, but with him, I have everything. So the concept of serving God, I don't want to say it's always easy, but it's a lot easier to get your mind around when you have met him. You know, have you ever seen like, 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 uh, I'll give you an example in Venezuela. They have a very challenging political time right now. And on on the news, it's, it's heartbreaking to see it. And it's heartbreaking to see all the different things going on. But, but we have some friends from Venezuela. It's a completely different thing when you know somebody that's in that situation. See, it's one thing to hear about Jesus. It's one thing to read about Jesus. It's a whole other thing to encounter him. Because when you encounter him, now all of a sudden, you can still choose to not serve him, but it's very difficult to deny him. If he's just a name on a paper, you can say, oh, well, maybe, maybe not. 
But here's just one testimony. We had, our son was blind physically. The little boy we prayed with just a minute ago, we spoke to just a minute ago. And my king, our king, Jesus healed him in a doctor's office confirmed by doctors. I'll never leave him. I'll never turn my back on him. I'm not saying I'll never step in a puddle. I'm saying I'll never leave him. He has bought me. I am paid for. He purchased me. So when, when, when there's a concept of understanding, everybody's not going to get you. You have to start with the understanding that the first step that you had, if you're a believer, was being born again. And then those scales fall off. And now you have the chance to see. You can't even see him until you're born again. You can't even see, excuse me, you can't even see the kingdom until you're born again. But when you're born again, now all of a sudden, it's like, it's like you're living in, in a black and white, you know, old movie. And all of a sudden, everything just goes in color. And now all of a sudden, challenges, they, they, they motivate you. They don't cause you to recluse. Now all of a sudden, you realize he's never going to leave you. Another example would be like, like Saul himself who killed, who killed Christians, threw them in prison. And he knew about Jesus. He knew all about Jesus. He studied the people who loved Jesus so that he could better hurt them. And knowing about Jesus didn't stop him. But on the road one day when he met him, one encounter with Jesus changed a murderer into an apostle. Thirteen books of the Bible, according to most historians he wrote. Listen to this. Most of them from prison, the places he was putting Christians. One encounter. And everything changed. One encounter. I remember I was in Beaumont, Texas. I was somewhere 19 years old or so. And I had an encounter with God that set my compass and it hasn't moved. Oh, I'd met him before. But one encounter. Have I had other encounters? Oh, yeah. Good encounters. Amazing encounters. Better encounters. It's hard to measure. I don't know how to measure that. All I can tell you is he set my compass. And all of a sudden, everything became clear. Saul, he said, they changed his name to Paul. He said, you're not even the same guy. Some of you, that's your testimony. You got friends who are going, I don't even understand your words. Let me tell you something. You're on the right track. Because the old you weren't helping them. And I'll tell you what they don't need you to do. They don't need you to roll in the mud with them and act like it's okay. They need you to stand on the word of God and say, whenever you're ready, I'll teach you all about him. Whenever you're ready, I'd love to talk to you about him. Whenever you're ready, I'd love to share what he's done for me. And you can do that in moments. You can do that in time. You can do that in, in conversations. 
But I found that when Jesus is invited, listen to this, he shows up. You can have church without Jesus. Now, don't, don't, don't get on a charismatic rant with this. I don't mean it like that. But you can have church without the Holy Spirit for sure. What people need is an encounter with God. That's why we work so hard at worship. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. That's why I stay on my face in this word. Because I want to know, God, how can I introduce people to you? How can I help them on Monday? I remember one time I preached a message way back when, when we were on Old Hearn Road and we had like three people. And I got done preaching and I, I, it was a revelation and I knew it was a revelation. And I was like, man, that was a word. Since there was only three people, I had to encourage myself. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And the Lord said, you enjoy that? I said, yeah. He said, how are they going to use it Monday? I said, you're breaking up, Lord. (laughs) Because babies don't eat steak, even though you like steak. If they don't know him, you got to dispense some milk. Come on, somebody. You got you know, babies are real, real finicky. You got to have it the right temperature. You got to do everything right with a baby. You get a little older, you can handle yourself. You can go open the Bible, you can eat it yourself. When you're a baby, you got to be a real gentle. So for us, we got to understand they're not going to understand us. So. We can't just sit, you know, over and lean up against the wall and say, they don't understand me. No, 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 no. Wise is the man that wins souls. Winning souls indicates there's a competition. And what you really need is not to have the, the book of Psalms memorized, even if you, and if you do, I'm, I'm proud of you, but that's not what you need. What you need is Jesus to show up. What you need is the presence of God. I think of one more. So you had one example would be like me where, where I, I never didn't know him. But I still had to choose to be born again. Then you had Saul who was killing Christians. I never killed Christians. I never killed anybody. But he was born again. And then maybe there's one other category. It's kind of in between like Peter. He was just fishing. Just going about his life. And I would put the bulk of the people I've met in this category. They're not not thinking about God. They're just not focused on him. The cares of this world, they, they, they fill your mind and your day. And you don't understand. I've got 17 kids and I'm trying to figure out how to get this hamburger helper cooked. And I'm trying to get it all taken together, put together and done. And oh my gosh, homework and projects. And oh, now, now I'm late for work. I have a flat tire on the way to work. Or maybe everything's going great and the business is thriving, but it just has your attention and it's pulling you. And it's not that you're mad at God. He's just maybe what we do on Sunday. Maybe. Peter was out there fishing. 
Didn't catch anything. Jesus walks by. Says, hey, can I borrow your boat? He says, sure. Preaches a great message. Peter goes, that's cool. That was a pretty good sermon. He said, push your boat out and throw, throw some nets out. He said, we didn't catch anything, but since you're a preacher, I don't want to be disrespectful. I'll do what you said. Throws one net out, goes to pull it in, net starts breaking, so we fish it. Calls his buddies over. Says, man, you guys got to come over and help me get these fish in here. Almost sank two boats. Almost sank two boats with fish. I've been fishing. I've had great days. I've never come close to sinking a boat with fish. Peter looks at him, falls on his face. You got to get away from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, that's why I'm here. He said, stand up now, Peter. You've caught fish your whole life, but I'm going to teach you how to catch people. In the book of Mark, the same, that same story is, is kind of condensed in Mark's recollection. But he says this. He said, they left or forsook their nets and followed him. What am I trying to say? Whether you're raised in church or not, whether you're raised around the the idea of the kingdom of God, you got to be born again. You have to. I don't care if you kill people. I don't care if, if, if if your rap sheet is 100 miles long. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, but it starts with being born again. When you're born again, now you have the chance for the scales to come off and for you to actually see this kingdom that we're talking about. Or maybe you're more like Peter where you're like, well, I was really never against God. I just wasn't really concerned about God. He was like, he was like more of an idea. But then Peter met the man and ideas went out the window. Now it's not an ideology. Now it's a relationship. And he said, he said that the Bible says that they forsook their nets. It's interesting. Nothing's in the Bible by accident. He said they forsook their nets. Nets do something real well. They trap you. Because when you give your life to him, you're going to have to let go and forsake some things that have trapped you. Some of it's thought processes. Some of it's, some of it's time. Some of it's an, an idea you've chased for too long. You need to stop it and you need to move in the things that you already know you should be doing. But it's going to take you forsaking some things to actually follow him at the level that he wants you to follow him. You can't, you can't fulfill everything in the kingdom that God has for you to fulfill dragging all the nets of your life around. Because the nets that you used to drag around were not built for catching people. And he wants you fishing for people. So you set aside, listen to this, every weight. A net is not a sin. A net is just a net. But what happens is you set aside every weight that has been holding you back and you forsake the nets. You can run a lot faster. So in the kingdom, it doesn't matter if you're like me and you say, man, I grew up in it. You still got to make the decision to be born again. It doesn't matter if you're like Peter and you never really gave it much thought. It doesn't matter if you're like Saul and you were totally against it. You still got to be born again. And being born again starts with an encounter with Jesus. But here's the beauty of it. You have to be born again the way you were born. You're born alone. 
And whether we like to admit it or not, when you stop breathing here and breathe the first breath in eternity, that will happen for you unless Jesus comes back before alone. You start alone and you end alone. But you are never called to live alone. That's what the kingdom is about. That's what the kingdom is for. Don't get so personalized in this thing that you think it's all about you. I know how that sounds. You are the apple of his eye, but there is a kingdom at play here. And there are massive benefits for those who get themselves involved in the kingdom. Where when you're around other believers and it's a time of mourning, you don't mourn alone. When it's a time for celebration, you don't rejoice alone. And you're talking to people that know the one that you know. Now, this is not to separate yourself from the world and live on some island where it's only Christians. That would be a pointless life. Just go to heaven. But it's a place. Where when you're born again, and as much as I would love to make that decision for you, I cannot. That's on you. But if you are born again, I can offer you relationship. Because every person that's ever born is born alone, but they're immediately born into a family. And this is the kingdom. This is why when Jesus said, My brothers and my sisters and my family and my friends are those who keep my commandments. My brothers, my sisters, my family and my friends are those that love the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him. Oh, I'm not like hating on everybody else. I'm just identifying the kingdom I'm a part of because I'm in the world. I'm not. So when you make the decision to be born again, You got to do it alone, but that's the last time that you have to be alone. Now you've got the whole kingdom. Next week at our church is Super Sunday. We call it Super Life Group Sunday. Because right here we connect two different ways. This is how we help you connect with the kingdom. We connect through our First Touch team. That's how we serve. There's always great opportunities here to serve. If you've never served the house of God, you're missing out. And the second way is life groups. Why? Because you're not supposed to do it alone. The first thing Jesus built on the planet was a life group. He said, give me these 12 guys and let me pour into them. So that in a moment when Peter needed to be reminded who he was, Jesus could tell him. So that in a moment when Jesus said, well, I I need some people to go here, go here and go here. All of a sudden we could divide and conquer. When it came time to mourn, when Lazarus died, they cried together. When it came time to rejoice, they rejoiced together. When it came time to do beautiful work, they fed the hungry together. When they went to church, they went to church together. Because you got to make the decision alone. But that's where the alone. See, 
The devil wants you to keep you, wants to keep you alone. Because the Bible says, if two will touch and agree. It says one will put a thousand to flight. Two will put 10,000 to flight. So next week, I want you to make sure and be here and get yourself involved with a life group. You say, I'm busy. Everybody's doggone busy. You got to drop your nets. Because some things are important enough to rearrange your schedule. Some things are important enough to rearrange your priorities. So that when you give your life to him, it's not a parachute hoping that will get you, hoping you will get to heaven. It is a literal exchange. Jesus, you gave me your life. My life is now gone and I give you everything I have. Because the kingdom understands we're in the world but we're not of the world bow your hand please i hope you enjoyed the podcast today if you did there are a couple of things that i'd love for you to do number one subscribe to our show that way the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you ready when you are and secondly follow us on social media That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.